1: I don't want to hear about your day by overhearing your phone calls like Mm. I I want it to be us one-on-one and so I made the decision years ago that it is it's so important to make sure she gets the best of my words the best of my energy the best of my time and not the leftover Ted Cunningham joins us today on focus on the family to
2: describe how to find joy in your marriage Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. You know, John, God's given us a lot of do's and
3: don'ts in marriage, but one do that he has for us is to enjoy our marriages, and I love that. I like the concept. Uh, It's a gift that God's given us, and even when we go through tough seasons with our spouse, uh, we should still treat marriage like the unique blessing that it is. Uh, For example, the Old Testament book called The Song of Solomon is filled with poetry about the joys of the love between King Solomon and his bride. Solomon focuses on the fact that marriage is to be enjoyed and cherished, and God's desire for us is to find joy and contentment in our spouse, uh, no matter what distractions life may
2: bring to us. Yeah, and uh, our guest today brings humor, and uh, he's going to have great stories to describe how he's learned to cherish his own marriage. Ted Cunningham is the founding pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church in Branson, Missouri, and Ted serves as a lead marriage coach for the American Association of Christian Counselors. He's also a regular contributor to Christian Counseling Today magazine. He's been here a number of times and has written a number of books. Uh, We're going to lean into some of the content and concepts in his book called Greater Joy Together, a 52-week marriage devotional. And you can learn more about that at focusonthefamily.ca, or you can call 800-the letter A in the word family. Ted, welcome back Thanks for having me. I love being here. here. I always enjoy it because we laugh a lot, and that's
3: fun. It's good to laugh, (laughs) I think. Hey, let's get right to it. I read uh, a quote that you had where you said, God gave you a spouse to accompany you through the grind of life. Mm. But when your spouse becomes the grind, then your marriage drifts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why is it
3: always the other person's fault? How about if I become (laughs) Uh, the grind?
1: I think Gene would say, You're the grind. (laughs) Yes, it goes both ways. I have. One goal in life every day when I get up with Amy, and that is to make her laugh every single day. That's a good goal. Yeah. Does it work? (laughs) I am five out of seven days a week, I get what I call her silent patriotic laugh. Oh, that's good. When she finds something funny, she places her hand over her heart, she leans forward, and nothing comes out. Like, she doesn't breathe. And when I get that level of belly laugh, Uh, And here's what I tell people. I go for it every single day. I don't get it every single day, but I go for it. But I bet I get it four or five days out of seven.
3: Ted, I I do want to get back to that grind thing, though, because a lot of couples, they are in that spot. They're not Mm. having humor. Mm. There's no humor in the grind. So where, where do you go to kind of just have a little bit of hope?
1: Yeah, I have to remember every day that Jesus is my source, Satan is my enemy, and my spouse is my companion. Mm -hmm. And so my spouse is the companion through the grind, that side-by-side companion through life, through the, the difficult seasons and stages of life. But when I turn my spouse into the source or I look at my spouse like the enemy... That's when I know I'm headed toward the grind,
3: or already in it. Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, let me I was cracking up on this one. You said you learned the value of working together in marriage by watching Chip and Joanna Gaines. That is funny. I've never watched them. Gene has had a little bit of interaction with that. But tell us about Chip and Joanna Gaines, and then how did this help your
1: marriage? Yeah, I know they have a strong walk with the Lord, but they're ruining <laughs> my marriage in a lot of ways. Uh, tell us I'll who go. they are, what they're doing. <laughs> so they're out of Waco, Texas, and my wife loves their personalities, the projects that they do, how well they get along on screen. But what she really loves—that <laughs> was a qualifier. Yeah, what what she really loves is how much fun Chip has doing uh, fix-it projects and you know demo day and all of that. And I don't have fun doing those type of projects, so I'll come home from church and she'll be standing in the dining room. True story, staring at a wall. I'll be like, hey, babe, how's it going? And she's like, you know, I think after dinner, we should get rid of this wall right here. After watching watching Chip and Joanna Gaines. And so I had to go online and find a term to save our marriage. And the term is load-bearing. That's right. (laughs) Every wall in our home is load-bearing. You can't touch one or the whole thing comes down. You don't need to call a contractor. No contractor help needed. They're all load-bearing.
3: Of course, that creates another problem for you, which is keep deceit far from you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because not every wall is load-bearing. Well, yeah, she wants to take them down. Let's open this space up. And and then I got to have a good attitude if we do the project. Like, I have to be singing and dancing and just enjoying the whole process. And so we come at life from two very different directions.
3: This is such a funny word picture because I'm mortified at those projects. Yeah. I'm so incapable of handyman stuff. It freezes me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you got to learn
1: to have fun. But that's <laughs> the daily grind that we're talking about. The, just the, no, that's good. the seasons and stages of life that your marriage enters to not look to one another as the source or the enemy, but yeah. truly as the companion.
3: And you know, something that you mentioned in your book, which we've experienced, Gene and I, the, this idea of praying more frequently together, because I'd say pre-COVID, we're so busy. We didn't do it often enough, but through COVID and being at home and and now, thankfully, continuing that. And I give Jean great credit for that, because she's the disciplined one. And, you know, just about every morning, we get up, we have a cup of coffee, we read the Word together, we pray together, we've kept that going. But you say that's essential when you're trying to combat marital drift, and I would agree.
1: Yeah, and to me... I, and I talk to a lot of couples and find that a lot of couples pray at mealtime, but many tell me they don't pray outside of mealtime. Yeah. And I just encourage them to start the day, to end the day, uh, before, I mean, we prayed with our kids when they were in the home, uh, every night before bed, outside of mealtime, uh, before they left our presence, before they left the car, before they left our home, we would pray. And then at night we'd pray with them, and then right before Amy and I drift off to sleep, we'd pray. Uh, together and you you do bear your soul in those moments. Like it's hard to, you can't harbor anger going to bed if you know prayer is right around the corner. I mean, so we have to work through things, and it's a time for us just to uh, just to slow down the pace of the day. It's just the two of us, and we're gonna spend time with the Lord together.
3: It does soften your heart when you have to do that, especially if you've had a like a little combative evening, you know, with something. Uh, You also say uh, using kind words is vital in a marriage. Uh, I I can attest to that. I mean, Jean rightfully says I can be snarky. Yeah, I can too. You (laughs) know, that sarcasm just comes so naturally, like, boom. And then she's looking at me like, what did you just say?
1: Yeah. And And, uh,
3: you got to pull back on those things, huh? Yeah,
1: in Scripture, the words, you know, kind words, gracious words, uh, healing words. that I just want my home to be that safe place. That You know, the world throws plenty at us. The grind of life as we go throughout our day is throwing plenty at us. When we come home, we want our kids to know, we want one another to be clear that this is going to be a safe place where you're going to be honored, esteemed as highly valuable, and we're going to speak these words over one another, blessing each other as often as we can.
3: Okay, so you're pastoring a big church. I'm leading focus. Why? Why does this becomes so difficult for people that should know better yeah i mean what's going mm. on inside of us between the spirit the flesh that we lean this direction with the person we love the most
1: yeah and that's amy got me on that a few years ago we were driving down the road and i was talking to somebody from church and just you know detail after detail and and getting into the story and encouraging them and then when i hung up it was like all right now okay now i'm off right and amy starts asking me questions and i'm not as forthcoming with the details <laughs> and and i remember we had the conversation it was the first time it really hit me that i don't want to hear about your day by overhearing your phone calls like mm. I, I i want it to be us one on one and and so i made the decision years ago that it is, it's so important to make sure she gets the best of my words, the best of my energy, the best of my time, and not the leftover. And I think that's what happens in our position. We we can tend to give that to others, and what we have left, we give to our spouse.
3: Yeah, and I think that's true of a lot of men, because we just take that for granted. You don't want to hear, I mean, I can remember coming home from Focus, and Gene's connected to yeah. friends here, you know, and She'd say, why didn't you tell me so-and-so is pregnant? And I'm like, I I didn't know she was
1: pregnant, you know. <laughs> didn't talk but, about it today. It didn't come know, up.
3: But those things would be pretty <laughs> yeah. regular. And yeah. she'd say, yeah, how come you don't keep me up to speed on stuff? Yeah. I, mean, I just didn't know you were that interested, right? <laughs> So that's just part of it. You uh, have been really good. And I've, I've heard this as we've been together in the past, but with your kids kind of making sure they know the position within the family. (laughs) And I think with your daughter, you know, the difference Mm. between queen and princess and your wife and her describe that whole dynamic.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad to be back on the broadcast to kind of finish that story. (laughs) Did Uh, you get in trouble last time? No, because my daughter got married last year. Oh, that's awesome. And so the princess truly became a queen in her home yes and i made the mistake of thinking i'd be able to walk her down the aisle and then turn around and officiate the wedding and it's the mo- all you hear every five seconds in me trying to preach this wedding is <laughs> sniffling i mean it was it was bad Probably not it, a good idea yeah it was not good but uh, so when she was about five i was getting exhausted like i was wearing out because she'd come in the room and whatever was happening everything stops Like Mm -hmm. you give me all of your attention, all of your time. I don't care what you're, even on phone calls, like it's me, put the phone down, you know? And so I finally, I put her on the breakfast bar, put my hand on her heart. That was my way with my kids of saying, we're going to have a pretty heavy conversation. And I want these words to go deep into your heart. And, and I said, Corinne, there's only one queen in this house and you are not her. (laughs) And she looked at me with those eyes that said, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) And the next day, true story, she told my wife, there's room enough in this house for two queens. (laughs) She's and and she was five. <laughs> and I put her back on the breakfast bar. I said, "Corinne, you're not my queen. And here's the sad part. This is hard for a daddy to say to his daughter. I said, but you'll never be my queen, but you're my princess. And that's why we you know, watch movies together about it, because I want you to know one day I'm going to stand at the back of a church with you, uh, ready to walk you down the aisle to give you a way to become another man's queen. And I said, "Corinne, I'm not doing that until I know he loves you as much as me. Because in that moment... Uh, As I give you away, I want you to remember that my parenting plan, from this day I'm telling her this at five years old, to the day I walk you down the aisle, is to show you every day how a queen should be treated. And it's a lot of what we talked about already, Jim. It's the idea of kind words and quality time and being intentional with one another. And uh, I just I walked her. I didn't walk down the aisle of a church. We had the wedding in our backyard. Because my daughter, from a very young age, wanted a simple backyard garden wedding. And I'd like to tell listeners how much a simple backyard garden (laughs) wedding costs. There's a reason you rent wedding venues. You don't build them in your backyard. But uh, it was a precious day, May 31st, 2022. Okay. She became a queen. Let
3: me ask you, the funniest part of that story is your new son-in-law. Did you ever have that discussion to say, okay, she's now your queen and no
1: longer my princess? (laughs) I I told him, I'm going to get you some sort of gift uh, when you ask her... Uh, for her hand in marriage, I said. And, and so he came into my office at church on a Sunday, which was a brilliant move on his part. I was yeah. tired he knew you'd be there. from three services, though. <laughs> I was already just, I was already, I get pretty emotional on Sundays already. And he, he asked if he could marry Corinne. His name is Caden, uh, great son-in-law. They've just celebrated a year, their one-year anniversary. And uh, while he sat there in my office, I bought him a grill. We ordered a grill online. I said, you got to get this going now, man. Here we go.
3: <laughs> well, that's the love language of a young couple, yep, I guess. there you go. We're going to get
2: you a grill. <laughs> well, uh, we have grills, actually, at our website. That we tie right in here. Ted Cunningham Grill. And if you order now, we'll throw in charcoal for free. Yeah, yeah, well, this is focused on the family. We don't have grills, but we do have the book that Ted wrote called Greater Joy Together. And uh, it's a terrific resource for uh, anyone who's about to get married uh, give it to them on their wedding day, mm. perhaps. Not a grill, but a book. Um, or, <laughs> or get both. it if you're in a season where you just need more laughter or more kind words, what we've talked about already. Uh, our number is 800, the letter A and the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
4: Check out Focus on the Family Canada's daily broadcast app and join millions of listeners as they tune into the daily broadcast every day with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Featuring interviews with a variety of Christian experts giving tips and advice on how to be a better spouse, parent, or follower of Christ. Take an authentic and inspirational look at the family, all from a godly perspective. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile or visit
2: your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
3: Ted, you mentioned these stages, you know, your little girl growing up, Mm. and she's battling the princess versus the the queen role, and now you walk her down the aisle and then turn around and do the ceremony. (laughs) That's pretty funny, actually. Mm. Then you and Amy look at each other, you know, the kids are gone, the empty nest has arrived, how do we, as Christians particularly, how do we use that phase to kind of rediscover the joy that we should have Mm. in our marriage? And Mm. should it be sweet? Or unfortunately, as the Wall Street Journal has mentioned a few years ago, it's one of the fastest growing sectors of divorce. The graying of divorce is the empty nest parents.
1: Yeah, and that's what I talk about in Greater Joy Together. The idea is don't wait until that stage of life to start being intentional with your marriage, because now we have time, we have energy, we have resources. I mean, we started when our kids were small. Like, this is, we are going to be intentional about all of it, all throughout child rearing. And so I wasn't prepared in the empty nest for how numb I would feel in the first few weeks or months. I, I found myself standing in empty bedrooms that uh-huh. my kids used to. <laughs> I've heard of the <laughs> stories. Right. I haven't experienced yeah. it what, yet, I? What, what what goes through your mind. Yeah, the the well, it's just great memories. I, I don't have a lot of regrets as a parent. Although I'm like every parent, I have regrets. But what we say at our church all the time, we don't feed our regrets. We ask Jesus to redeem our remaining days. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make the most of the time. The thing about my daughter, she's been married a year. She still calls me daddy. And I said, you will get the lion's share of the inheritance if you continue (laughs) that until I am with the Lord. All right. So uh, what's going through your mind is like, how are you now going to be a parent of influence? Uh, you know, we we say at our church all the time, uh, we have it on walls at our church, but uh, parenting is a journey from control to influence. And with every year of your child's life, you're losing control, but hopefully you're replacing it with influence. And now I'm in a season of life where influence is all I got. Mm. And that's, talk about what Amy and I pray about at night. Hey, help us to be a good influence. Let us not, uh, as our friend Jim Burns says in his book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, which is one of the best books i highly recommend because he says keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out and that is the very definition of influence as a parent amy and i've taken that seriously i don't have a problem with my mouth i can keep my mouth shut it's my face Uh, my (laughs) face has a hard time uh communicating sometimes at family dinners but i think that's what the numbness is it's like i don't have say anymore like over their next steps that's over But when they ask, and I have to be careful now because they do ask for my opinion and they Mm. ask for input, I have to be careful to stay on topic and not bring up all the other topics (laughs) I've been thinking about that I've seen lately. I'd like to bring this into the conversation (laughs) now. That's that's the numb feeling I Mm. think I had. Okay, how am I going to navigate this well? And that is Amy and I and the Lord. That is how do we manage influence now as a couple. (laughs) Mm. What
3: I'm hearing is don't keep a list.
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> keep and, it a list don't show it keep it on the inside on deep the inside. down yeah. let me ask inside. you you
3: uh, in this book you describe what the six levels of communication are this is a quiz you remember what yeah. six oh, i
1: do what are they i do number one is uh, small talk number two is facts and number three is opinions those are the what i call the shallows and above the line those are conversations you have with strangers you meet on the street Uh, For years, Gary Smalley taught the five levels of communication. And then I remember once being in a meeting with him. He says, there's really six. There's one we're forgetting. And when you get down into the deep levels of communication, feelings, desires, needs, and then the last one that Gary tagged on is beliefs. Like Mm -hmm. the messages on the heart. Greg Smalley talks about this all the time. And every message on your heart has a story behind it. And that has been some of the most powerful communication teaching for me because when I – I'm able to get to level six of Amy's heart. Like this is the person of understanding that scripture talks about, that just being clear, like getting into the heart of Amy. Every message written on her heart has a story behind it and a story that doesn't involve me, that she had long before she met me. Hmm. And that's why dating should never get boring. If you can ask for the stories behind the messages, uh, you got stories for, for years. That's good. To talk I, about so i above the line is head to head i got to be right i got to get my point of view across below the line the deep waters uh, this is the wellspring of life the tablet that proverbs talks about that's where i want to live because that's heart to heart that's mm-hmm. intimacy that's where we know one another at the deepest levels
3: so let me ask you on behalf of all those men the husbands and not to you know stereotype that but the guys that are struggling to get deep yeah whose wives are feeling like we live at a superficial
1: level What does
3: that look like? Well, they hear level four
1: feelings. A lot of guys hear level four feelings, and they think I got to cry, I got to wear my heart on my sleeve, but that's not at all what it is. It's that being able to say I'm feeling disconnected, I'm feeling controlled, I'm feeling abandoned, I'm feeling rejected, I'm feeling cheated. These are all level four feeling words. To be able to put a word behind your opinion, because again, this is what we see when when you've turned your spouse into the source or the enemy you live on the level of opinions like one of us has to be right one of us is going to be wrong and we know this is clear around folks on the family and teaching that you have a win-win or you both lose you know and so clearly I don't want to live on the level of opinions I want to get down to what am why am I feeling this way if I'm reacting to the way we're spending money or to the vacation that we picked or how the cars do or whatever if I'm reacting to that and going back and forth at level three opinions I got to I got to be a person of understanding that knows there's an emotional nugget behind that. And I want to find out what that is. Or or, am I worried? Am I feeling controlled? Am I feeling judged? Am I feeling like a failure? To be able to call that out, because those level four feelings are primary emotions. And we've heard, you know, secondary emotion is anger. So you always feel something before you get mad. So deal with it on that primary level four, Mm. right below the line level.
3: It's really good. Uh, Unmet expectations, that's a whole other area that creates great conflict in marriage, Mm. and it can be around a whole set of things, both for the husband and for the wife. Uh, Describe how to resolve those unmet expectations (laughs) in 30 seconds or less. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But seriously, how how do you, A, identify them, and then B, go about undoing those?
1: Yeah, to learn that our socially acceptable term for unmet expectations is stress, but really it's anger we're mad we're not getting what we want so we we want something we don't get it james talks clearly about this that you know so so we fight and we don't ask god we go at our spouse for it and so in those moments where my expectations are not met number one i have to own them number two i have to ask myself the question if i don't get my way what do i lose What do I lose? Mm. Like, is it a pride thing going on right now? I just have to win? We've all been in those conversations. I'm just going to, I'm staying in this. And this is how crazy I think conflict out of unmet expectations gets we get to a point where we've kept this going 15 20 minutes and we've all been there at the end of 20 minutes we're like where did this start i can't even remember where this started that shows you what's going on with our flesh no that's really we're we're, we're, we forgot what this fight's even about which proves it has nothing to do with that issue Mm. that we started with yeah
3: you know the other thing then you move through all of that then you get down to apologizing Mm. and sometimes that can be really hard. I'm assuming the reason that's hard for some of us, maybe it's just me, yeah. is because deep down inside, you still think you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think we have these horrible apologies. I think the worst apologies are, I'm sorry you feel that way. Terrible apology. That's a terrible apology. Right. If I offended you, I'm sorry. You know, you shouldn't have taken it that way is it what we're really saying sounds like modern day, day media apologies. Yeah. We really only ever need to apologize for what we say or what we do. I am sorry I said, and then fill in the blank. I am sorry I did, then fill in the blank. I don't need to apologize for Amy's level four feelings. I need to own what I said or what I did, but I don't need to tell her in my apology that you shouldn't have felt that way, or or what I said was the truth and you needed to hear it. Maybe I could have said it in a better way. Those are horrible apologies. Ouch. I need to own what i just said and what i just did in the book you also mentioned
3: about the the importance of slowing down and how vital that is to the health of your marriage and to the health of your parenting you your daughter i think was the illustration yeah. she came into church how old was she and what did she say to you she
1: her best friend to this day is still emma watson that's her maiden name but i still keep calling her emma watson but i was in the middle of preaching i mean making the point the church is full and my daughter escaped from her class at church, walks down the center aisle, right up on the stage. I mean, how many people in the church? I would say probably five, six hundred yeah. at that time. And, and I I stop, I kneel down, and she asks me, can Emma come over after church? <laughs> and I said, hey, well, I got to talk to mommy about that. And then we get it. And there's not a person in that room to her. She is with her dad right. asking about after church plans because they're... Figuring something out in her class, <laughs> right. and uh, and I couldn't give her an answer that was good enough for her to be like, okay, I'll go. And I go, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up here, and then we'll discuss it after the service. And people to this day, so what's that? That was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago. Uh, people to this day tell me that was the best message you ever preached.
3: Yeah, and
1: they said I I didn't know one thing you said after you yeah. stopped everything and just got down, you know on one knee to talk to your daughter and your mic was still on and so we heard the whole conversation back That's so <laughs> back funny. In, now there's going to be pastors listening and going to their five-year-old this week. Okay, no, at I'm about a... 10 minutes into the message, <laughs> I need you to come down yeah. the aisle and ask no, if you can get so your allowance true. for the week.
3: I mean, it is really true to demonstrate, it to illustrate how to make sure your kids feel important. You can teach them the other stuff you about know, not now interrupting that I back later. It,
1: I wish I wouldn't have. I, I probably in me was like, hey, I, I got to get back to this. Can we talk <laughs> about this later? Uh, but, you know, taking the time,
3: yeah, and Ted, you really wrapped it up right there. That is the best place for us to land for the couples that aren't doing well mm. that maybe aren't thinking about these things, regardless of their stage, whether yeah. they have kids in the home still or empty nesters uh, this is this is whatever it is the time to start thinking about how to do this better, mm. especially to model our love for one another. We need that desperately in marriages right now, we need to be distinct from secular marriages and we should be yeah. we should be loving each other in such a beautiful way thanks for being with us oh i
1: always being this here. Really love being really good you guys
3: and let me just say if you're in that spot or you know somebody who's in that spot where their marriage is struggling your marriage is struggling What a great resource, uh, The Greater Joy Together, a 52-week marriage devotional. It is a fantastic resource that has great stories and bite-sized pieces of practical and typically humorous advice. You can get that directly from Focus on the Family Canada. And when you do, all the proceeds go right back into ministry, helping families across Canada.
2: Yeah, donate generously as you can when you call 800-the-letter-A in the word family or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. And then remember, when you get in touch, to request your copy of the book, Greater Joy Together, written by our guest, Ted Cunningham. And coming up tomorrow, we'll hear from Dr. Tony Evans. He has a rather startling commentary about our faith today.
3: Enough religion for us to be dangerous, (laughs) Uh. but not full commitment for us to be transformative. Yeah. So a lot of contemporary Christianity makes Jesus want to throw up because we're not all in.